Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 125 Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, from this time on and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, so that the righteous might not stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their own crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 through chapter 4, verse 6. Then those who revered the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord took note and listened, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who revered the Lord and thought on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act, and I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. Then once more you shall see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will stubble, will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise, with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the teaching of my servant Moses, the statutes and ordinances that commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead could mean. Then they asked him, Why did the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah is indeed coming first to restore all things. How then is it written about the Son of Man, that he is to go through many sufferings and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased as it is written about him. Good morning and welcome to the third Wednesday of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the from Imesville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 125, Malachi 3 and Mark 9. And I just want to say that the Malachi reading is surprisingly, uh, I don't know, it, it stood out to me. 
a lot of people don't pay much attention to Malachi. He's one of the minor prophets. Um, but I love this verse that uh, spoke about um, the uh, that Israel or the people coming out of the barn, like leaping like calves from the stall. Um, but also uh, made me think of the Holocaust in the opening of chapter 4. The day is coming burning like an oven when all the arrogance and evildoers will be stubble. Um, it's just really, uh, I, I don't know, um, detailed and like illustrative. Um, and it closes by talking about Elijah, which we heard from yesterday or heard about yesterday. Um, Elijah is one of only two people in the Bible to not be killed. He also holds a very special place in the liturgical life of of Israel. Um, to this day, for I think Passover cedars, I don't think it's all cedars, but I could be wrong. There's an open seat left for Elijah, um, uh, much like some some Christians. <laughs> some Christians will sometimes leave like an empty seat or something for Jesus. Um, but this, it's a really important. He's a really important character. Um, he hasn't written his own book, um, but he he's central to um, Israel's um, religious self understanding. Um, and frankly, I don't know exactly why that is. I think Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah all had some pretty bold shit that they did. They also wrote their own books, but Elijah did not. Um, Elijah is, and perhaps it's because he was taken up into heaven that the possibility remains that he will return. And that was, um, uh, that was and remains this uh, popular idea that Elijah will return. It might be Elijah who's, who will be the Messiah for, for Jews who don't believe that uh, Jesus is. Um, and it comes up again in the Gospel of Mark. And they're, um, they have this kind of burning question inside them, and they just come out and say it. They say, why do scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said, Elijah is indeed coming. Um, and he goes on later to say that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as, as it is written about him. Um, but he right in the middle of that, he redirects them to this, this phrase, the son of man. Uh, the child of humanity, um, and the, I mean, Jesus is the son of man, and there's as much writing, well, less actually, less writing about the son of man as this notion or this idea um, that was in the book of Daniel. Um, and I imagine it was popular at the time uh, of Jesus because it was, it's one of the only um, Old Testament or Hebrew Bible books that included a pretty decent amount of Aramaic, which was this popular kind of dialect, widespread dialect in the time of Jesus. So it may be that people had access to it and could read it if they wanted to. Um, but the Son of Man is a cryptic way of Jesus referring to himself. And it's tied up in this apocalyptic uh, coming again? Is it Elijah? Is it another Messiah? Um, and he says, "I don't you know that the Son of Man is to go through many sufferings? Pasco is the Greek word, 
and be treated with contempt. The other two Gospels have that he will be, he'll go through many sufferings and be killed, uh, apoctino, um, and th- this is one of the, these synoptic readings are one of the ones that I'm rolling through in my head about what it means that Jesus is a grunt, or, you know, why do I say that Jesus is a grunt? And part of it is because he's, he suffers through um, uh, many things. Um, Matthew and Luke each have very similar ones, as I said. Um, but it's not only the the suffering that makes him a grunt, but the endurance of it. And it doesn't have it here. It just says, go through many sufferings. But the word endurance, um, the Greek I forget, but it's essentially in Latin. It's, it's patience, patientia. Um, so to have patience, not just like mental patience, but physical patience. Your body, you know, can take a beating and keep going. It can endure um, all these beatings. And Jesus, of course, does that, um, you know, the, he's the epitome of a grunt because he endures even death. Even death couldn't keep him down. Um, and uh, Mark is, the Mark reading is is interesting because the only one that says contempt that he must be treated with contempt. Um, and it, it got me thinking about how soldiers, um, you know, are, are treated with contempt or the, the idea of contempt in the, the, in Christian tradition is typically, um, uh, contempt for the body. Uh, I, I don't even know if it's contempto or contempti mundi. Um, but it's this like, you know, the body is somehow it makes your your spiritual life more difficult because it's the body from which arise our passions and, and appetites and and you know things like lust and greed and avarice. Um, I don't really believe in that. Uh, I just think it's it's good that uh, we should endure sufferings, um, and whether those sufferings come from inside our own mind or they come from outside our body, um, the ability the willingness to face those sufferings and also endure them, I think is one of the things, the central things that makes a grunt a grunt. Um, and the, um, you know, that this saying is in all three synoptic gospels suggests that Jesus really did say it, that he reminded his followers that what's written about the Son of Man, um, that, that he must go through many sufferings and either be killed or treated with contempt, um, that that is historically rather reliable, that we we can know with some certainty that, you know, whatever, whoever, wherever Jesus, this Jesus person was, that he, he probably said something like this. Um, and the, um, I think the, the, the flip side of that coin, at least for, you know, human grunts, um, is that the contempt of the body, which again is this um, historical Christian kind of thing, um, especially for monks and ascetics, um, contempt of the body can go too far. Um, we, ha- we can have such contempt that we think less of ourselves or we allow ourselves to go through more sufferings than we should. Um, and some grunts have even sought out sufferings. I have Francis's one 
keen example. He went to Egypt to the Sultan to be martyred. Um, I mean, that's that's it. That's what he wanted. His biographers state it. You know, it makes sense. Like, you know, there's no way he's going to convert the Sultan. He might get through to the Holy Land, which he wants to do, but like he wanted to die. Um, and so it can go too far. But Francis, and it's a helpful um, example, he knew that contempt could not go so far that he took his own life in order to fulfill his contempt for the body, uh, contempti mundi. You can't, you know, you can't kill yourself. That's suicide. If someone else kills you, like the Sultan or or the Mujahideen or something, then that might be martyrdom. But you can't do it yourself. Um, and so there's these these, you know, it's almost like a skirt skirting with like, um, you know, the the not the evil, but the 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 mistake of thinking that sufferings are good, and that I'm looking for suffering or I'm enduring more suffering than I should, and allowing injustice to occur, um, and the the Christian sense of of martyrdom or um, uh, endurance and patience. Um, the the martyrs did like, they they suffered more than they should, and yet we call them martyrs because they were willing to die for what was right. Um, the difference is it's it's never right to die in and of itself. Um, and that's why the you know the ancient martyrs, the church believes the church only calls them martyrs formally um, if they were killed in hatred of the faith in odium fide. Um, you, know, you can't just say, well, you know I got in a car accident and now I'm a martyr. Like no, that, that's not how it works. Um, and I, <laughs> I remember I was accused of seeking martyrdom, uh, in a review by another vet that appeared in, I think Christianity Today or Christian Century. I think it was Christianity Today. And I, I th- thought to myself, like, yeah, I think that, sure, yeah, that works. Like, I'm not about to kill myself, but the, the question or the, the thing that got this reviewer, um, kind of animated was that I wanted to go back to Iraq without a weapon and he thought that that was suicide and so he thought and he claimed that you know I got it wrong I got the Christian faith wrong because I was seeking martyrdom and I mean tell that to Ignatius of Polycarp or Perpetuus and Felicitas and um, you know like that actually I wasn't seeking my own death I, I mean the, the American military and uh, the whole structure and, and everything in place in Iraq is pretty strong. Like, there's a very good chance I would have come back just fine. Um, but what I wasn't willing to do was carry a, a weapon as an artilleryman um, because I'd be expected to use it. Um, and uh, so I think there's, as I said, a fine line between um, too much um, on the one hand or seeking it for one's own, you know, kind of glory. And, you know, a lot of. I'm gonna be honest. A lot of vets that you know have this kind of pity mentality. They want to. F- they want other people to feel something for them, and it's ultimately about them rather than God. Um, but if um, I think if it's if it's I don't know. I think it's it's hard to call uh, this difference between uh, going through many sufferings as a witness as uh, as a way to glorify God um, 
is, you know, it's a short walk to um, going through many sufferings because I feel, because I, I hate myself, it's, which is different than contempt, I think, very slightly, either because I hate myself or I'm unwilling to stand up to injustice. Um, I think what the martyrs faced was unjust. Um, but they, uh, you know, I think, I, I, yeah, I think it's, it's a judgment call on that person um, whether or not it's better to face the injustice, perhaps because other people face it, you know, standing up for, say, GI rights or something, because it affects other people, and at some point somebody has to stand up, um, or being willing even to face death um, uh, unjustly and in the face of persecution or injustice. Um, I think there are there is no one right way um, to live as a Christian. I think there's many ways, um, but very many of those ways often will include some kinds of suffering and contempt. Um, um, but we are encouraged to take hope that it's not the end and that the uh, our sufferings ultimately, A, glorify God, and B, uh, will be undone and will, in fact, um, lead us to being exalted after we've been made low. The Parable of the Old Man and the Young, a poem by Wilfred Owen. So Abram rose and clave the wood and went and took the fire with him and a knife. And as they sojourned both of them together, Isaac the firstborn spake and said, My father, behold the preparations, fire and iron, but where the lamb for this burnt offering? Then Abram bound the youth with belts and straps and builded parapets and trenches there, and stretched forth the knife to slay his son. When, lo, an angel called him out of heaven, saying, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. Behold, a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Offer the ram of pride instead of him. But the old man would not so, but slew his son, and half the seed of Europe, one by one. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, Always family. Semper Familia.